Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. I I remember when you went out the door that for a little bit of time, you you went to a new new city. They were literally, they called it the second city, Kapolei, Hawaii. They built, a, they built a port out there so ships could offload material. They moved a whole bunch of government offices out there so that population would have to move with their job. And there was a little discussion, uh, actually for quite a while, uh, whether I should go, because I had a following on the radio, if I moved instant crowd, or if you should go because you were young, and you and Brenda could go out there and reach the younger families that were moving there. And then you were the one that elected to go. And this turned into a church of about 700 people. It was a church that was, uh, you, you were on TV each week. You were reaching, uh, I, I know you had something in, in Baguio. You had stuff going on in, in Japan, in Baguio in the Philippines. You had churches that you planted across Hawaii. Uh, you hit a little speed bump in your life and and then kind of went back and did it again and yeah. uh, left that church and, and then started over. And I remember trying to get you to uh, take over Hope Chapel Honolulu when I was getting ready to leave. But you felt called to the original town. And so uh, so you're you're you've got everything inside of you that says you should be leading a prevailing model church because that's what you kind of grew up in because we were a prevailing model church, except that we made, we planted a lot of churches. Well, Ralph, we did. And you know what, can I just say, we did it well. We, and Antioch was our model. You know, we were, we were, you know, we were a place where we gathered people of multi-generations, multi-ethnos, and our whole idea is we're going to, we're going to suffer, develop, and release pastoral leaders. And we're with a focus on planting churches. And when I left you in 93, that was our, that was our thing to do. And, um, like you, it's just like, I realize that you give your best away. People were critical critical of me because it's like, wow, we just lost a worship team. But the faith that we had back at Kanioli, back at Hermosa, and even at Hope Kapolei was that, you know, if we believe 1 Corinthians 12, that the body has every part as God puts it, he's going to raise up more people. And so it, it's not easy, I, I think, um, you know, but I watched you do it, and um, and I did it. But when I when I came out a second time, Ralph, and I was really honored that you would ask me, but I felt in my heart and it was one of the things. And I think that, you know, you talk about my speed bump, but the year I was away and I kind of just got some things fixed in my heart, you know, got and got myself right. Um, I think it brought clarity back to me. And I felt in my heart because I talked to a couple of other people that were speaking my life. And it was 2012. You know, I was working for Waxer One Love for three years. And I felt this stirring in me. And one of my mentors said, you know what, John, you could probably go out and do a legacy church. Remember, th- there's organizations, they teach you how to launch large. And so I'd gone and this organization on the East Coast, they were supporting me. They were happy. They were going to give me all kinds of money to do this. 
But my one mentor says, John, you know, would you consider starting in a house? And he was a pastor of a megachurch. And you know what? I went back to Brenda and we go, this is what God's calling me to do. That's why I went to you. And I just said, I was gracious, but I felt like God wanted me to do something new. So I started out of a house and um, did funerals on the side for a year. The Lord was gracious. It's ironic, Ralph. Every pastor wants to do weddings, but nobody wants to do funerals. Uh-huh. And and so, yeah, so funerals, guys out there, if you're ever looking for a side job or Ralph calls it a side hustle, offer yourself to a local mortuary. They're always looking for pastors because nobody wants to do it. And you get a chance to minister to families, right? Oh, my gosh. It's a captivated audience, right? And the thing is, there, and, and again, you know, we know the whole thing, but, you know, and it's such an incredible, but I still do this to the day. You know, I still loan myself to two mortuaries, um, you know, when they absolutely need it. But anyway, so Ralph, we started in the house, then we eventually got to maybe about 130, 140 in Kapolei. Then, you know, then there were some people from Honolulu that, you know, in the midst of transition, were looking for a home. So we adopted that group, including um, Suzuki, right? So Suzuki and Randy and a couple guys in, in our journey, Honolulu. But when COVID hit, and then I saw just this explosion of, of small groups. Remember, Ralph, you taught me this a long time ago. You know what? Um, you told the story often, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if you remember, but you said um, at you talked about a university, you know, when they're planning the walkways in between the quads on the grass, you know, how do you know where to put the, the walks? Well, where's the grass flat? Yeah. Because that's where the kids are walking. So you see where the grass is flat and you lay the cement. And that's kind of like I thought, OK, Lord, where is the spirit of the Lord leading us? All of a sudden, it's just like the grass is flat in small groups, and, and it just seems to be exploding. Lord, is this something that, okay, once COVID ends, so I go back to legacy, and I felt the Spirit of the Lord say, no, this is the move. This is the move now. You're going to become a network of small groups, and so that's who we are now, Ralph. My counsel's behind me. We, um, I, I still have a weekend presence, but it's on Saturdays because um, that's what's available, um, it's an incredible deal. We call our our service the studio. Steady, faithful network of of twelve groups that watch us. The thirteenth is Randy with his African group. So that's a whole nother. Yeah, that's like ninety ninety different micro churches in. Yeah, Africa. and and again, that's again that's the thing that you know Randy's connected to us. He's ordained by us, but um, I call him my free agent. He he's he you know he's empowered by us. We stand by him, but I stay out of his way because. He's hearing from God and he's connected to Aaron. But so, so my counsel so, has. Go ahead. So you're in a real small legacy church on the weekend on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, because that's where the building is available. You know, yeah. I've always tried to get people to to get pride off a of Sunday morning because in Hawaii, there's, there's there's a dearth of buildings that are available for church. But there's all these church buildings that are empty on Sunday afternoon and they're empty all day Saturday and could be rented for church plants. And everybody's stuck on, we got to do it Sunday morning and all that. But you have way more people attending micro churches and yes. attending, um, I, I guess you, you're doing some live streaming, whatever. But um, what I want to address is the, the shift. First, I want to talk for a second about the opportunities. There's a guy I met named Mike Colson, and I had him on a podcast a few weeks ago. So if you're interested in this, go listen to the podcast with Mike, because Mike uh, took over a 140-year-old church, something like that, and 
those old people were ready to move and, and, and do new things. And when COVID hit, they they started doing live streaming. And but then they decided to do uh, mini church, micro church, whatever inside of their congregation in Zoom. So they're doing live streaming, then they're doing micro church in Zoom. And then coming out of COVID, he began to realize the weakness in live streaming, and he created a separate church that's an online church. So he's doing kind of a legacy church on Sunday morning, but one that's planting micro churches also. So he's a, there's a network. Then he has done a separate Sunday afternoon. He leads a whole nother church that it's not any of the people in his town. And now that church has planted a brick and mortar uh, legacy church in, in, he lives in Pennsylvania. They started a new church in Georgia that actually meets on Sundays in a building someplace. So the opportunities that you're talking about and uncovering are, are, are rife if, if we just will let ourselves be open and think differently. One of the things that I want you to address is the name, Journey Church. You know, uh, I, I remember in Hawaii when all the Hope Chapels <clears throat> started changing their names. And, uh, you know, what Mike Kai, one of the biggest church we ever launched in Hawaii, uh, changed to Inspire Church because he said there's already a New Hope Church and there's a Hope Chapel in every community. There's Calvary Chapels and a bunch of them. I want to start a whole new stream of churches and, you know, came to me with tears in his eyes. Is that okay with you? And of course, well, then everybody yeah. decided, well, we're going to start changing our name. And people started getting mad. Like, that's not loyal. Well, that's what we did back in the 1970s. We, we changed the name of the church. We actually tore the, the sign down, didn't have a sign for weeks so that people in the neighborhood would go, what's going on? And then we put up a sign with the name Hope Chapel on it. So what is wrong with people changing their names today if we could change our names then? Um, people are so limited in their thinking. But you, you've kind of been ahead of the curve. You've been ahead of the curve on, on the microchurch thing uh, before we even had kind of popularized that word. And you were ahead of, of, of us all on the name change thing. You've done a lot of things that are fresh and, and different. Uh, what sparks you to be so different? I, I think, Ralph, what we it's it's what drives me is my intimacy with the Lord, right? Knowing Him, and 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 the other thing is that it's it's form follows function. That the one thing that Ralph, I know who I am and what I don't change. And so I think that if you if, you know you when you and I work together, you look at the forms that I have and the things. I still carry you and I put together the coconut tree, the five steps to, to going from parking lot to being a church planner, the, the list of values that we have, you know, from um, everyone a minister, hands-on value um, driven, ready, fire, aim. You know, it's just like um, hands, you know, all the stuff that we do, that doesn't change. So the name embodies, I think for me, it's just like um, I'm looking at um, what's going to work out there. You know, um, to the Jew, I become a Jew to a Greek. I'm, I'm like a Greek. What's going to work out there? I'm not going to do it just for namesake. Some of the guys that changed their name, Ralph, I'll tell you, uh, it ticks me off because they just did it because it was the cool thing to do. But yeah. they didn't really think it through. But I think Mike did it. You know, he prayed through it. Him and Lisa, I think um, when I decided to go with Journey, it's because he represented where I was at in my life. And I also it embodied what I wanted to communicate that um, the Christian life isn't an, isn't an, an incident or an event. It's it's a lifetime, and I think 
what it's become, Ralph, now is that journey represents a shift from legacy to a network of micro churches. And that's what I'm going to be committed to for the next 20 years. Now, my prayer, Ralph, my council knows this. I'm praying over the course of 20 years that I raise up five legacy pastors. Because I'm a both-and guy just like you. I think we need Antioch. I think you need a strong catalytic driver at the middle of these hubs, which my council, and here's the radical thing, Ralph, I would, you know, for the guys that have been in ministry, you know, 35, 40 years like me, um, this group, a network of mini churches, because I still have my 501c3, Ralph, they're faithful givers. Yeah. I have not given away my salary and I have accountability with the council that says, you know what? We believe in what God has called us to do. And we believe in you, John. So, Ralph, in addition to the network of, you know, 12 plus one, because Randy, and I should just call it 13, but Randy's is a huge network on its own. Um, I coach a local pastor, um, and it's paid as a consultant. Um, the, the most prominent Hawaiian church was a guy that was on our worship team at Hope Chapel in the 80s, Ken Mukulkani. He and I have partnered for five years. We've brought about his vision, Ralph, and why I partner with people is, is he wants to take, there's a lot of empty churches in Hawaii. That they have kapuna, they're getting older, and they're needing pastors. So our long-term vision is to to shift Kauai Hau back to being missional, which we've done five years, and we're seating the new board, Ralph, hallelujah, next week. After five years, we changed the bylaws, we oriented the structure from five authority places to one structure, and now we're going to be able to begin the next phase of raising up pastors and sending them out to local churches. So that's wonderful. So I partner with Ken. Well, when when you talk about partnering with Ken, there there's been two major spiritual awakenings in Hawaii. The first one was the original missionaries, yeah. and uh, if people have read the book uh, Hawaii, yes, they're aware of Kauai Hau Church. Hawaii is a novel. Um, the 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 person that was um, the pastor of that church, I forget the name of the, in the novel Hawaii by James Michener. But that it, it really tells the story of Hiram Bingham, who was the, the the pastor of that church. And so to me, it's a feather in my cap personally to know that uh, you discipled Kim McCokani as a young guy in our church when you were a college yeah. pastor. And now you're discipling him as the pastor of the oldest church in the state of Hawaii. Yeah. And the one that everybody who's ever been to Oahu and gone to Waikiki, you saw that beautiful stone structure on the highway as you're driving in on the tour bus or however you got there, um, that's the church. So so literally what you're taking is the most up-to-the-minute changes that are happening in church life. And that has been infused into the oldest church, which ought to be the one most resistant to change. This is the, the congregation that uh, Queen Lilu Kalani yes. uh, who, who who wrote those songs that everybody associates with Hawaii. Um, there's all those plaques in there of the Hawaiian royalty. This was their church and, and they're doing new and fresh things. And it's one of the most exciting things in, in my whole world to hear what was going on with, with. Well, Ralph, and, and the thing is, um, again, the shift that the Lord did, the journey is, and what it does is because now um, I'm, I'm doing something and it's manageable and the Lord's releasing me. So the second thing is, um, Picking up with Fumi and Miko, um, you know, five years ago when we reconnected, you and I went there to do something together. And 
And it's just like, here's a guy that that was affected radically by us, you know, um, when you first went there a long time ago. So now he's he and Miko, they they're in Kobe. They planted four churches, but now infusing an Antioch vision during COVID, we I just hammered on him in love and just, you know, the whole Japanese thing. We can't do Zoom. We can't do Zoom. Well, in love, I just stayed on him. Ralph, they got 10 Zoom mini churches now. They we they didn't want to talk on tithing, but just spending, you know, every other week you can Zoom on a on a Sunday and talk to your leaders. on It's Monday morning in Japan. We've been doing this now for five years, every other week. Um, and they're a tithing church. Ralph, and and the other thing, just so you know, our, you know, if you're saying I pastor a small church, well, we took a percentage of what people were giving us every month. We bought Fumi's wife out of her job because that's what we do, right? Because she was the best man for the job. Incredible leadership developer. So three years, we paid her full time. This year, it's gone to half time. And the church picked up half. And this is how far they've gone in, in Kobe. Next year, they're going to pay Miko full time. And we're released from that. And so, it, again, this is the idea that you know you get passionately grab onto what God has for you. You don't try to be anybody else except who you are. And then look what God does; He provides. So, yeah, they pay my full time salary here, Ralph. They're, they're I'm humbled by the faithfulness financially of this church. And but also the thing is, I'm finding ways to give it away. We've supported some of your church planners when you when you've sent out things, and it's it's an honor for us. But we work with Kobe. John V, I already told you in Okinawa, where I, I, I consistently am with him. And then here's a radical thing, which is well, a little... You, you guys support Mission Hope, which is funding everything that happens on this website and this podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're missionaries from your church. This, this is yeah. a great turnaround. I love the stuff that you guys are doing. Well, and we get to partner it. And then last one is, it's just, again, you and I happen to be at a conference and on the mainland, you brought me the way you always do. Hey, just come along and, and, you know, get on the whiteboard when we're stuck. And so remember we were in, we were in Colorado and you called me up and then um, I met the guy that was one of the, the, he leads the network of more legacy church planning, but we became friends. And a couple of years ago, he hired me as a coach because Ralph checked this. They want to integrate small group into their church planning. So I have the privilege of designing something for them. And I'm coaching four guys right now. And I'm going to take on a couple more. And they're paying me. And which is all of a sudden, it's like, wow, Lord, you know, that as long as I have this thing called journey, that's one thing. But Lord, you're opening doors um, of to take seasoned experience. And how do I translate that into raising up another generation? So um, I just encouraged by this and just for guys out there, because we talked about what do legacy pastors do, you know, prayerfully make yourself available. Don't don't make light of the 35 plus years that you've served in ministry. Take care of the people you're with. Ralph, the, the, the phrase that I have, you know, is what has been the success of our small groups? Three words. We're consistent. We're intentional and we're relational. And and I tell my guys that lead, whether it's leading a small group, a mini church, micro church, or a network, just um, you make appointments and keep them. And when you come in, like like you do with me, be prepared. You know, you know what you're going to talk about. You're open to the spirit of the Lord, but have a plan. Sure. And then and then you know what? Take the time like we did. You know, people know we're we're close friends, so we're catching up on life, on vacation, on Reuben Barb. You know, but that's important too. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at Ralph Moore.
www.thepowerhouse.net.